A warm welcome back, friends. This is part two of our chat with Professor Dylan Mahmoudi. You might recall that we were talking about his confusion with advertising in artificial intelligence, particularly the sort that you might see on your smartphone. Rest assured, the confusion continues. You might recall from last episode that Professor Mahmoudi was telling us that he had a friend who was asked to program an algorithm to help a military asset run away from an attack. But then the military flipped that algorithm around and used it as an attack algorithm. You might imagine I am currently scratching my chin. How ethically precarious to build an algorithm to avoid destruction and then flip it around to enable destruction. Hmm. I, I think that was the premise of Malcolm Gladwell's book, uh, The Bomber Mafia, where they were talking about how originally the Air Force in war was designed to avoid war. The idea being that if I can be really precise, rather than me killing people in this huge thing, if I can be super precise and fly over and knock out all of your artillery and everything, then you'll submit earlier. And if you submit earlier, then that means we won't have to have a battle where millions of people are died. It'll uh, die. It'll just be a few hundred people. Right. But of course, people found out, you know, okay, well, are we going to invest all that money in making sure that it's really precise or, you know, it's not easy to hit a target when you're flying in a plane and everything, right? It's not easy. Do we want to invest in trying to figure all that out? Or do we just want to bomb the crap out of everything and hope mm -hmm. that people eventually just give up, right? And so it eventually became the opposite. Um, but the the true belief, according to the, the book, was uh, the, the true belief was the the stronger the Air Force we have and the more precise it can be, will save lives because we won't have to kill as many people, right? And so it's 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 very similar in a lot of ways to that, that uh, your, your friend went in saying, I want to have this defensive algorithm. And somebody says, okay, or we'll change that one to a two, and now it's an offensive uh, maneuver, right? It just depends uh, on what the priority is. Oh, that's such a, that's such an important connection and and you know as a as a geographer i'm very interested in scale and levels and and so you know this is so i give this very kind of like micro example of, a, of an algorithm but you're talking about an institutional change right 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 right, right. How we yeah, can yeah, flip yeah. the institution to to do something perhaps more nefarious or that meets the needs of you know a government etc wow yeah Wow. This is, it's fascinating partly because what it's telling me about confusion is that there are different spaces of confusion within and around the tech, right? We went from talking about like technical confusion, coding, architecture, right. to like a social one where somebody sure. is tasked with doing a technical job, but then their social <laughs> supreme leader yeah, yeah. shows up and says, hey, hey, all that technical stuff that you did, I want you to, to change the blocks around. Right. As if they, they knew what kind of outcome that they were going to get. So like, I guess the question that I, that I have for you, Dylan, for both of you really is like, how far should explainability go in these systems huh. and what, what, sh what is it that should be explained? Exploring the motive of why it, it would be paramount, right? Why are you making this code? Why explain the motive needs to be kind of the number one step for me. 
and mm. it, it, and then having people say, okay, well, is this just what like let's do some some risk control oh, here. You get into murky territory. We'll talk about justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I know that's a, that's going to be another future episode and stuff like that. But that would be my take is to sit down and say, well, before you start doing this, what, what's the motive for this? Mm, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think I think that explainability leads to accountability. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's quite a bit of use to avoid accountability and thus not be not explain or to, to have things wrapped in that black box so that it, the public doesn't see why and how decisions are made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll, I'll make a really quick plug for the, um, the electronic frontier foundation. I think they, the EFF, they've been mm-hmm. at the forefront of kind of pushing or demanding for, you know, you said it socio-technical accountability in, um, in corporations and the technologies that they develop. My, my eye opener for that. I, I want to say it was wired magazine last year, a year and a half ago. It did like a, a, a huge big thing on them. And I was like, who are these people? And it was like, I thought at first I was like, all right, wired magazine, <laughs> you lost me on this one. And then all of like, Holy smokes, these people are in up to their knuckles here. This is a lot of stuff here. Is it enough to accept that AI may never potentially be in, be fully explainable? Like, will we ever? Do you think we'll ever get to a point where we could do that, or are these systems just becoming so inherently complex because of the governance, because of the social decision making, and because the sheer magnitude of code all messing up together? Do we ever get to that point? Again, you're setting me up for, for failure. No matter what I say, you know, it's going to be wrong. I, 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 I don't, I don't know. It's a really good question. You know, I, like if we think back to some of the like early uh, combustion engines, you know, as a machine, we could say, I don't know that we'll ever really know how this fucking thing works. Right. (laughs) Uh, And now it's down to a science, you know, F1 is, you know, they, they know, they know so much more about those uh, engines than what anybody could have imagined back Mm -hmm. in the day. So, so I, I don't know. I mean, I know that we'll know more about it, but I don't know if it'll be, if it will ever be, a satisfactory level because the technology tends to be developed or advanced mm-hmm. faster than we can try to hold it accountable, if you will. I can't wait for Dylan to be nominated for a, a Pulitzer or not a pure Pulitzer, a, a Nobel prize and us to just replay all of this thing. Look how wrong he was during that interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. think <laughs> WTF, mate? Yeah, like. <laughs> I I think the the reason why I'm I'm holding on to the explainability thing so much is not just because it's at the forefront of the ethical movement in AI. There's there's a lot of different components to um, the social justice, the ethics vibe right now that that tends trends towards um, explainability. I I guess my problem with it is that. These things can't ever be explained because mm-hmm. they're basically like rocket ships. 
lots of engineers build independent parts of a rocket ship, but they might not necessarily know how that part communicates with, Mm -hmm. you know, the part 17 and a half up the chain. That just, just, it just works. And so I I have an example of this. I went to um, this really, really awesome computer science individual at the university that I previously worked at. um, And I, I said to him, I want to understand uh, surveillance data in smartphones. So it kicked off a day in the life of metadata, my, my research project that I'm very excited to be collaborating with uh, Dylan on mm-hmm. now moving forward. And, and the reason why I was asking him that question is because I wanted him to explain to me how an operating system worked in a, in a smartphone. So what he did was he, he went to his Windows computer that was in front of him on his desk and he turned the monitor and he's like, I want to show you something. And he hit control, alt, delete. And the task manager came up and he flipped over to like the second or the third tab in the pop-up window. And it was a list of all of the processes, the subroutines running in the background of Windows to make it run. Mm-hmm. So when you hit control, delete on your computer, if you're a Windows owner, you can see the, the applications that are running on the first tab. Right. Uh, so for me right now, it's like the, the browser for us right now, Zencaster. Right, right. Thank you very much. A little plug for you guys. I've got my <laughs> universal audio uh, very expensive and, and hugely overkill uh, audio recording ecosystem. And I'm probably going to sell to get some of that money back. And I've got <laughs> a couple other systems running. Um, but the the background processes are very different. They're the things that, that make these softwares talk to one another. They're right. the ones that manage power. They're the ones that manage resources. And what he said to me was, I could explain to you after getting a PhD in this stuff, what maybe 13% of these processes do. Oh my gosh. It's And it just, no matter how many people you get into the same room, you're not going to get a compelling answer because mm-hmm. the the way in which the system comes together and functions as such is a bit of a mystery, even to the people who build them. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that AI people couldn't figure this out and have a, a consensus about how something works, but there's, there's something like a, a defensible position mm-hmm. and just saying, well, what we do is magic. Mm-hmm. So why can't you trust it too? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Dylan, you even said that right at the very s- start of the interview is saying a lot of times that the AI engineers don't really know how or why something happened, right? They're just kind of saying, yeah, that worked. All right, we're making money off of it. Why why bust this apart, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that's one of my favorite examples for that is Google search results, right? So they they don't know why one result may be above another result but they have the capacity to interfere with the results and and put something at the very top or to remove something from the very top if it were to show up there right so they do they do some kind of they may not be able to explain it but they they can tweak it at the at the last second right before it's displayed to you to make sure that it fits whatever corporate interests that they might have, right? So for Google, that might be uh, making sure that a result for a phone might appear second or third after after they promote their Google Pixel. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so there's, or, or in a another example, it might be that they remove from entirely. Uh, anything that might talk about independence for a particular, for like Hong Kong or something like that. 
right. when they show search results in uh, China, for example, or, or Hong Kong. You, you know what would be another interesting, uh, and Dylan, I, I, I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll agree, but it would be an interesting episode to examine is the confusion of want versus need as a result of some of these AI programming, right? If, like, because once you see, uh, uh, just to go back to the previous example, once we see shoe advertisements enough, we start to convince myself, like, oh, crap, maybe I do need some more shoes, right? <laughs> and and like, like how much that message can just kind of bombard us over and over again and create that confusion of, do I need new shoes or have I just been, is it, um, uh, have I uh, been told I uh, I want new shoes enough that I'm now mistaking that as a need, right? Which sounds to me like part of the philosophy of these advertising uh, advertisements online. Right. I mean, oh, okay, great. Dylan, you bought a pair of boots. Well, you know what you need? <laughs> you need a pair of this other type of boot for this right, other yeah. occasion, right? You what know? are you going to do when it's hot out, Dylan? You need yeah. sandals now, too. Yeah, hey, exactly. yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think I ended up with this universal yeah. audio... <laughs> recording yeah. system i had so many options shop. but every time i open my phone i'm getting advertisements for the newest version of like this thing this microphone and right. the, the arm and the cables these the cables don't reach the audio interface they're running oh. across the desk because i had to move the thing so and my wife won't let me buy more cables but oh, i'm getting advertisements for I'll cables talk i'll talk well, to her i i gotta i gotta tell you a story Oh, yeah, you do. I, I you're right. You do. I love your stories. Well, this is you know this is in uh, what 2000 between 2006 and 2009. I worked for a a tech company in Austin, and we we got pitched a uh, a data set that was um, the owner of of every IP address on the internet. And so this, they said here, you know, you might be interested in this as a, as a marketer. And I, I looked at this and I was like, holy shit, this is the holy grail. Yeah. Because what we could do is we could see if someone was coming to our website from say Ford. And why would that be useful? Well, because we could then look at our sales data database and see, well, what was the most popular bundle of products that someone at Ford bought. And sure enough, if someone came to our website from Ford, we would show them that bundle of products, but we, we would replace the like half meter cable, the fiber optic half meter cable with, you know, a nine meter fiber optic cable. There's no reason that you need a nine meter fiber optic cable. There's no, but it was, it was so much more profitable for us. Right. 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 Yeah. And so, so sure. Right. You know, you've got these cables that are too short. It's because you, you know, I, I didn't sell that to you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Oh, Dylan, Dylan, well, I, I need longer I cables, you, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what, what we did was so nefarious too. Like, like this goes back to the explainability. Even if you could explain it, doesn't necessarily mean that you would, you have the power to change it. Right. Right. And so, yeah. so I'll get, I'll get, I'll get to that in a sec, but the story gets so good, right? Like, so we would look to see, okay, this person is visiting our website from Ford. Well, who's their biggest competitor? Uh, and, you know, GM, sure. Okay, great. Well, what is the bundle of products, the most popular bundle of products that 
someone at GM would buy. So this is very much like Facebook's like inciting anger or inciting confusion, mm-hmm. right? We would, we would say, okay, well, you're coming to us from Ford's website. Well, here is the most popular bundle of products from GM. And so a Ford engineer would look at that and say, what are they doing with that shit? Mm-hmm. I should probably own that shit too. Right. <laughs> and so again, our half meter cable would be, yeah. you know, yeah. nine meters, et cetera, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But we would, we would kind of really pit the, you know, produce that confusion of, well, what is it that, that, that my competitor is doing with it? And we would do that shit with national labs, right? So if you visited our website from Sandia National Labs, you would say, this is what Idaho National Labs are doing, that upstart up, up in Idaho. What are they doing up there? Are they trying to take some of our, our grant money? Are they trying to take some of our research? Right. Um, and it was, it was so, and so was I mean, so you would almost, almost kind of like create a fear for, for them to say, Oh, I got to keep up with these people. I gotta, I gotta, I better buy this too. And then double your profits while you're at it. And well, in the because, meantime, you've, you've created half the, made up half the need to begin with. Absolutely. We, we, we produce the, the, the want in that scenario through, through fear and confusion, right? Or, or mm-hmm. in, in this instance, what an engineer might be experiencing is uh, the most dangerous thing that they can experience is, which is being outdated. That's incredible to me. That's amazing. <sighs> it's, it's hard to imagine a problem in the world where people feel outdated as they accumulate more data. Mm-hmm. I mean, data is worth more than oil. It seems to me like the problem is trying to bundle it up and sell it in a compelling way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Google is, is also afraid, right? So they, the more data Google collects, the kind of less valuable data becomes, uh-huh. right? Right. So, so what, what, we're, what we see is the, the more that there, the more surveillers that are, that are out there, the more people that are collecting information about us, means that there's less kind of important information about us. So mm-hmm. there might be a lot of advertisers that know that I uh, am a white cisgendered male, right? But how many of them would know this kind of other thing about me that uh, I am a huge Canucks fan? Right? Are you actually a huge Canucks fan? I was gonna say, I this up, is the second reference to Canucks. I, I'm sorry, I, I, you know, I grew up in Seattle, so like, oh right, okay. I, gotcha. I just I didn't really have a choice. Uh, <laughs> Kraken are about to join the scene here. Kraken, uh, yeah, you're 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 20 years ahead for the Kraken. When yeah, you're yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, well, Great White North. You know, I, my first Halloween away from home, I in Georgia. I went as Doug McKenzie from the Great White you North. You come on. Not I did. And, and you want to talk about confusion. People were like, yeah. what? <laughs> it's okay. It's a Canadian. What yeah. are you talking oh, about? Oh, my goodness. That is great. That made my day. I, I'm i really compelled by what you said about the, the more you get. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here, of course. The potentially more confusing everything becomes. I think it was, um, was it Rob Kitchen maybe that talked about how uh, the larger a data set gets, a larger a database becomes, the more noisy it becomes. 
Mm-hmm. And there, there, are, there are like technical uh, dimensions to this. This isn't purely conceptual or philosophical. This isn't mm-hmm. all theory. Like hard drives fail over time. The more the needle moves in, in those those spinny drives, mm-hmm. the, the more likely they they become to failing. I've I've got a number of failed hard drives in my little tech closet behind me for a reason. Mm-hmm. You, you keep storing things and keep using them over time. They keep heating up. The more electricity that goes into them, they they will they will fail. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of the strategy of maintaining an effective database is to keep it accurate to keep, you know, duplicate and triplicate entries out, ones that can result in people ending up on no fly lists, right? Making sure spellings of last names are really important, but it adds more activity to the database. And are we all just going to sort of end up in noise and confusion no matter what with these systems? I guess is what I'm I'm sort of beckoning towards here. Mm. Well, the the more data you have, the easier it is to find significant relationships that aren't actually there. And this is this is a this is a real critique that's out there right now around data scientists, right? Cor- correlation, uh, not causation, type stuff, right? Or even if there is a correlation at all, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely, right. And and if you get a data set large enough, is it all just noise anyway that you could find these correlations that aren't actually there? I remember a time when Google was trying to help stop the spread of H1N1. Do you guys remember this? Mm-hmm. Wasn't there a correlation between like how people were looking up who they thought was going to win the Super Bowl in Google search with trying to predict the spread of H1N1? And it was great until it wasn't. Like it worked for like a few months and then it just like hit a wall and that was the end of it. Wait a sec. What? You're saying that there was a correlation? Yeah, I'm not making this up. This was a thing. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. There was a correlation between who was looking up the Super Bowl and the spread of H1N1? Yep. Until, 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 until it didn't did make it, any sense. Until right? it didn't like, make any sense. Until it didn't make any sense, right? Like there, there was, it reached its kind of end, but people had latched onto it so, so much that they thought that it, it could explain everything, right? <laughs> with with H one N one, but it but it was it was a novelty. So right. it, you have a, a a huge huge corporation that has all of this data and wants to use AI for good. Mm-hmm. So do something socially productive with it. Right. Let's take the data that we have. Let's study the world and see if we can uh, produce some sort of output that would help somebody else other than us do something really meaningful, like save lives. Uh, and so for people who are listening that but might not be familiar with this, um, when we're talking about correlations in data sets, what we're, we're talking about, if you could imagine in your mind's eye, a chart with, with numbers uh, up one axis and time down the other. And you've got some bars moving up and down. Maybe it's, it's dots like plotted out from left to right, up and down with some lines connecting them. If you find one particular pattern in one data set, and it looks the same as another pattern in a completely unrelated data set, you have a correlation. Right. Now, f- for some period of time that has never seemed to stop, <laughs> correlations are often uh, celebrated as like a secret to understanding life. Right. The more correlations that you can find, 
even though the events have nothing to do with one another, you have helped humanity. I saw four ones on the clock twice yesterday. Therefore, oh, God is stop it. Stop it. I think that's stop what that it. means. I'm pretty sure every Catholic agrees. <laughs> the universe is on my side because four ones. <laughs> well, we should talk about Guinness at some point because it's very much related to that. But before we do that, <laughs> you know, there's this, there's a site that I, I, my students, uh, I, I tell them to find a ridiculous correlation and, and, make, and, and make a map out of it, a map out of it right? Or, or make an infographic out of it. And so uh, this guy, Tyler Vigan, I, I believe that's how you say his name. He's got his site, Spurious Correlations. Uh, and my favorite is uh, per capita cheese consumption correlates with the number of people who died by becoming tangled in their bed sheets, right? <laughs> so are, ah! Isn't that I, I, I think, crazy? I think, I think there might actually be a causation there. Like, I think people that eat a lot of cheese probably fart a lot, and they're yeah. trying to get out <laughs> yeah, yeah, their yeah. sheets, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but then, but then Death there's like Dutch ovens. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, who? We've all done the Dutch oven to our partners, so. Oh, goodness. I I love you guys. Oh, I am man. so glad that this has set the bar so high for our first episode. No, I, I mean that very seriously. Like, this is this is really, really great conversation. Um, I'm going to double down. Gonna... I'm going to double down on it. My second favorite okay. is films Nicolas Cage appeared in. Right. And number of people who drowned by falling into a pool. <laughs> what? How would you even measure that? I, so that it's the, it's it's uh it's you know every year they 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 look at how many films Nicolas Cage appeared in and and how many people drowned by falling into a pool and, <laughs> and there's a correlation. They're, they're correlated, right? Now, is there causation? No. Well, maybe some of his movies were know. terrible. Some of his yeah, people were like, "I'm I'm done with it, man. I'm out." <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's all, give us another one. Give us another really, really nutty one that I know there's a lot of them on there with Nicholas Cage. Why? Uh, I don't okay. know. He, he, I, I know what? this website. Well, what is the origin right. of researchers and love of Nicholas Cage movies? Like zero. We don't care about him. <laughs> researchers apparently are. Trying I, I don't to know, man. The rock is such a good movie. Oh, I agree. I that mean, at a, the end, he's like out Connery? there with his, Oh my god, it's so good! You know, he's yeah. like, oh, yeah, look, that's got that right, epic. Looks like but that's my, got uh, that epic, uh, that that epic line that Sean Connery, uh, where where Nicholas Cage says he's doing his best, and and Sean Connery, your best losers always whine about their best, right? I won't finish yeah. the rest, but yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the oh, one, right? Look, the prom I, I just, queen, just, the prom queen. Yeah, that's right, that's the one, right? I my got wife you. was I got the you. prom queen. Yeah, uh, it looks <laughs> looks like I'm gonna accidentally fall and. And I'm going to hit the power button on my computer. So, so speaking of prom queens, okay. The age of Miss America correlates with murders by steam, hot vapor, and hot objects. That's not true. There's a correlation between, read that one again. The correlation, the correlation is, uh, explains 87% of the variability here. That's Okay, so explain, explain what that means. What, what does that mean for people that maybe... Didn't do so great in grade oh, 11. Here's, here's another trick question for you. Yeah. So 
so social studies or, you know, social sciences, you know, if there's a correlation, if, if the, if the lines are really close together during the, the entire time period, if, if the, the numbers match every year between the age of Miss America and the murders by steam, hot vapors and hot objects, if those match closely, then you'll get a higher, uh, what's called, uh, R number, right? And the okay. R number is what is, uh, it's a statistical tool to explain the variability, right? Sure. So 87 in social science is pretty high. That's, that is high. All right. So 90, 98.5% correlated, the total revenue generated by arcades and computer science doctorates awarded in the U.S. Come on. Yeah. I mean, so this, that's, there, there might be a causation there. Right. right. Yeah. 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 Right, People right. fell in love with computers or something sure. like that. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, or that, you know, computers became popular culturally, you know, right. or the, the yeah, rise yeah. of computers became, uh, culturally important. Um, so what's interesting in that example is that the correlation might not be direct. There might be a bunch of mediating influences between those two phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that might explain, the correlation but if if a perhaps a marketer were looking at this they would say well shit you know if we just award some more phds in computer science we'll make a ton more money in the our arcade business right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness what's that so, website what website is this oh uh, it's it's very spurious connections Experience okay. correlations, yeah, yeah. Correlations, excuse me. All right, definitely not connections. All right. Yeah, Instead of sounds... Instagram, I'm jumping on that website from Did, here on in. The thing about all of these correlations, not connections, is that they're not explainable. So what Dylan's talking about in the social sciences is because the R number is high, it's compelling, mm-hmm. right? The higher the number, the more. That's still science. It's still that positivism thing from before. When you get down to the humanness of all of this, it's completely vacuous. There's nothing there. Mm-hmm. So to, to bring this conversation right round full circle to where we began, the confusion that we explored with Dylan today has to do with, you know, advertisements popping up on smartphones and the platforms that deliver them, right? Mm-hmm. The lack of explainability is going to be the impediment to really understanding anything. But it seems to me that all of this, all of the shoes you're the things that you put on when you go, if you had to go outside right now, those nice leather, whatever boots they were, it's all going to be driven off of correlations, pulling data sets from cohorts of people that are mashed up into data sets, categorized as such without Google ever meeting them. Mm. So is, is, is the, I guess what I'm asking is, is correlation the catalyst of confusion here? Is it the abundance of correlations that is always going to keep us kind of like I don't get it. Mm-hmm. The search for a hidden variable in the correlation, right? Uh, w- whatever it was that caused the correlation that we don't see is going to create more research. And if you're chasing a dead end and prepared to chase a dead end for decades, then yeah, you'd just be running through a maze the whole time. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the critique of a, of a lot of Malcolm Gladwell's work, right? Is that... yeah. He's trying to explain the correlations between two things uh, without. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of critiques of it, uh, uh, you know, but but yeah, that's 
that's one of those challenges. So imagine, imagine Google with all of this information and they might say, oh my gosh, you just bought bed sheets. Maybe, maybe you would be interested in cheese <laughs> or vice versa. You just right? bought cheese. You're right. going to need more bed sheets. Right? So, so this is, this is that confusion, right? Like if, or, or, or the, the quest to ask the algorithm to explain itself. Mm-hmm. Why did you just show me a cheese advertisement? Mm-hmm. Did you know I got tangled up in bed sheets this yeah, morning? Yeah. Did you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did you? Alexa heard me yeah. screaming to my wife, come help. The sheets are covering me up and I'm strangling. Hey, listen, when, when I uh, thought about relaunching this show, uh, I did not think that uh, focusing more explicitly on confusion would set us up to arrive at clarity. I surrendered that idea like six months ago. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, mm-hmm. this is just about confusion. I've proven myself wrong in the first episode. Do you know what I learned from talking to you guys today? If we want to figure out things that we're confused about, and if those things happen to be advertisements on smartphones that deal with AI, the way we get past our confusion to find that clairvoyance is to just spend more time on spuriouscorrelations.com. The more, <laughs> the more, the more correlations we internalize into our database, the more, the more less confused we're going to be about the world. That's right. There it is. Can we agree on that? Sure. I'm yeah. in. I'm yeah. in. See, I don't know what you were confused about the whole time, Dylan. You just got to spend more time looking at correlations, man. You know, I, I'm still, I, I, come on. I'm confused all the time. I'm like, why, <laughs> why are you showing me, you know, I, I don't even, I, I've gotten some pretty random advertisements. Let, let me ask you, what, what's the most ridiculous advertisement you've ever gotten on your phone where it really made you pause? Wayfair, Wayfair, anything to do with Wayfair. I don't understand what, like I have bought zero things from Wayfair in the history of my life. And, uh, I keep getting, um, and like more specifically Wayfair, uh, with plastic plants, like artificial plants. I have zero plants in my house. I've never thought about putting plastic plants in my house nor wanted. And I get Wayfair advertising these beautiful plastic plants all the time. (laughs) I don't, I, you're, you're pretty like outdoorsy naturally. Like this guy loves to wear suspenders and overalls overalls Overalls. excuse me most most versatile piece of clothing in in my wardrobe (laughs) he helped me build a patio this summer and he said he's going to show up in overalls and he did i i respect that i you know it's a great place you gotta put a you know a place with tape measure and you're like your pencil and, and like, come on, you now, get muddy and I don't have to worry about ever wearing that anywhere in the and house. And you're loose yeah. tobacco yeah, for your right. corn pipe. Um, the, <laughs> the most, okay. I, I don't know about the strangest thing I've seen on, on my phone, but I can tell you one that actually kind of spooked me. Um, and it was a- actually after a time where I had given a lecture when I was still teaching at King's university college in, uh, in little London, Ontario here. Um, and I was talking about a couple, a married couple living in New York City who had a knock on their door from the FBI one day. And the FBI, uh, they, the couple had seen the FBI coming up to the front door. No, sorry, it wasn't the FBI. It was, uh, I think it was like county or state police that were working with the FBI at the time. So anyways, they, they come up on the front lawn. There's like half a dozen agents, a couple of them go into the backyard. There's a knock on the door. The couple answers the door. They identify themselves. They come in and they say, the reason why 
they were, you know, visiting that house was because that household was raising flags on the internet. And what was revealed to that family was that they were searching for pressure cookers and camping equipment on the internet. And the two things that were, that came together looked nefarious. What was interesting to me in this situation was that there was no other search history presented mm -hmm. to them. It's just those two particular items that are completely unrelated to one another. Right. It's told a story that facilitated an intervention of those officers showing up and making those people extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. They, they were put on a watch list because their search history had pressure cookers and camping equipment in its history. Right. So here's the weird part for me. I started getting advertisements on my phone after that for pressure cookers. No, I've never used a pressure cooker in my life. They're very handy for what it's worth. Yeah, but thanks. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Al. Yeah. They're, they're um, great. I, thanks yeah, for you telling should, me that yeah, they're I, great, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you have one? I mean, it's, yeah. it's like, How did like you also, also yeah. like, you know, fake plants, bro. I mean, get, a, yeah. get, on, like, <laughs> get on that. We are, we are on a video call with, uh, with Dylan here. Um, I know this is just a podcast so people can't hear us, but Dylan just held up. Can you do that again? He held up. Is it a cacti or what? It's, it's like a little, it's a little a I don't ceramic. Have plant a knowledge to tell you what this is. I believe it is, that's a succulent. It is fake. It is so <laughs> fake. <laughs> it's like a ceramic planter and there's a fake plant in it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I got to buy some more fake You know, plants. succulents you have to water like once a year or something like I that. I would too. kill them. I would find a way <laughs> to kill them. I, I, I can't do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, so good. I really want to keep this conversation going. And I'm, I'm noticing that we're a good hour and a half in. Yeah. And at some point, either one of you is going to be interrupted by a call from a kid. Right. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think your, your daughter's due for a wake up. Isn't she uh, at some point too, Dylan? Yeah. Hopefully she, you know, she's. Not tangled in her bed sheets. She had a lot of cheese today. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of cheese. I should probably check on her, but. <laughs> I am very grateful for your time. Not just because I found the, the conversation super, super interesting, but because I feel a whole hell of a lot less uh, confused about advertisements on smartphones. So I just, I just have to memorize more correlations on a website I, and I don't have to be confused because I was previously confused until we had this chat. And I'm no longer confused. So thank you very much for making me less confused. Thanks for having me. It's so good to, to be able to laugh and talk with both of you on, on a topic that is not light. Yeah. Yeah. Kidding aside, this has been really great. Thank you so much for your time, Dylan. I hope that uh, we can thank have you, you back on again in the future. Anytime. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of What's That Noise? If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have a topic or guest in mind, don't hesitate to get in touch at WTNCast. Stay tuned for bi-weekly episodes and until next time, keep listening to the noise.